It's Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Here we go. Friday, 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 5 o'clock hour. NFL draft is going on right down the road. We are right across the street from Allegiant Stadium. Crazy Horse 3, one of our favorite gentlemen's clubs in town. Has it rocking and rolling, watching the draft. Birthday week celebration with Lisa Ann. She was just on with us last hour. You can come down and meet and greet with her tonight after 11, tomorrow night after 10. Bottle specials. Bucket specials, great kitchen here. Highly recommend the pizza. The app men, uh, menu is awesome. You hear, wow. In the background from John Von Tobel, he's the company. Mateo's helping us out here on the scene as well. What was the wow for? Ed Marinaro. Okay. You, that, yeah, you know yeah, who yeah, that is? Yeah. Uh, apparently he took so long because he was going on some weird diatribe that oh, a no. producer had to run on stage and tell him, Read the card, Ed. Oh, We're really? not here for you. We're here for the draft pick. He's uh, he's not a young buck anymore. Did you? <laughs> no. I, did you look him up? Seventy-two. Oh, he's only seventy-two. All right. Did you know who he was? Not before I looked him up, though. Okay. So what'd you learn? Uh, former was he an actor? Yes. As well as a football player? Yes. I didn't know. Well, I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know he existed yeah. until just now. So former New York Jet. Yeah. There's might somebody have, might there's, have might have been on the team. <laughs> The one year that Lou Holtz, yeah, he's actually he's a Jersey guy, and then his big thing on TV, um, he was on uh, he was part of the you know regular cast on Hill Street Blues, which again which? is before your time. Was say, yeah. It was a massive show in the early days. I'm Officer laughing. Joe Coffey. Uh, I'm laughing because I feel like there's probably somebody out there either listening right now or who so would have heard it like you don't know <laughs> who Ed Marinaro is. Play in the NFL. Yeah. You Did call you? yourself a sportscaster. Did you watch uh, Franco Harris up on stage yesterday? I, it was muted, but I was watching. I didn't, and I, I should have asked someone who was out there. Um, I felt like there were no, I'm, I'm going to make a connection here. I felt like there were, there were not many Raiders fans at the draft setup behind yes. the link because Franco gets up there. Should have been booed. Roger you know why, right? Roger, I was gonna, I was gonna write a tweet about it. I'm like, ah, am I being a jerk? Um, Roger Goodell starts introducing him, and he's like, yeah, Franco's here, 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. And I was like, screw oh. you, Raiders fans. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then, the, well, the great thing was, uh, maybe there weren't enough Steelers fans either, because Franco Harris is like, Steelers. It was, this was the Kenny Pickett pick, right. and even like there was like kind of a tepid response, almost booing. So, but I, I thought Can I? if there were a lot of Raiders fans there, I would have if I if I was there and I. And I was a Raiders fan. I would have booed the, f- 
I don't care if he's a legend. Should have. One of the worst moments in the history of our organization. The stupid, tipped, illegal catch nonsense. I'm a terrible millennial. Even I knew immediately. It was like, like you, they should probably not bring this guy up. But then I realized, as Las Vegas, not like a, there's not like deep-seated Raiders roots out here. Can I also just say, is there, ne- is there anything better than somebody in front of a big crowd when they try to get him razzed oh, up? Because there was another read yesterday. It was like, how's everybody doing? And you just hear like a... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I think a lot of people who are there, especially when you're on the twentieth pick, they're in La La Land. Oh, yeah. I think I think they're like two hours in, people were annihilated or just whacked on weed or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> probably. If I'm standing for that long, I'm going to be whacked. I mean, I, you can't. I don't know. Maybe there were there were people who were actually there from like pick one to pick thirty two, just standing there. There are some crazy fans in terms of the outfits too. Yeah. Crazy. Whoever that guy was with the. Like uh, Martian head cowboy helmet and the cowboy ukulele. He got so much time on TV. Good for you, bro. Big five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Okay, this could be a quarterback pick, John. No, it's not. Houston Texans are up. You already know the pick. No, no, I don't actually, but it's not. It's not. You don't don't think they won't roll the dice on one of these guys because they know next year they're going to take, they're potentially going to take one of the, uh, the guys. In uh, next year's draft, one of the quarterbacks in next year's draft. And you're right. Uh, one of the other receivers, of course, the entire receiving core seemingly got hurt when it counted the most for Alabama. Uh, John Mechie goes to the Texans. I also just think, like, clearly they're giving Davis Mills a run for the year. You should do that. It, like, what do you have they to lose? Want, they don't want to win this year. Right. So if they step in it and he's good, okay, right. we, we just solved our problem. If he sucks, it's a means to an end. The, the whole point here for Houston is get as much talent as possible. And like you said, it's a great thing to say in terms of stepping in it. So, you're, like, it's a win-win. You're either going to be so bad that you're going to get really good draft picks and you're going to be able to acquire assets, or you're going to stumble upon having actually a receiver or excuse me, a quarterback that is a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, and you can move on from there. But, yeah, I don't think there's any way you spend a high draft pick on a, a quarterback here if you're Houston. So, biggest story of the second round so far as we start the Big Five, the two running backs go mm-hmm. early on, or is it the fact that no quarterback is gone? Uh, we still I, don't have a second quarterback off the board 44 picks into this draft. Yeah, I think it's kind of the quarterback thing. Only because this is such a quarterback-driven league, and the assumption was, like, you got to take one of these quarterbacks. But that's the the NFL is making it known. What we knew all along, by the way, what every analyst would tell you, that this was not a good quarterback class, that it would be surprising if more than two went in the first round, and sure enough, these guys are sliding. But you know why it's still a story? Because every or a lot of years, there is not a quarterback who's worthy of going in the top 20. You shouldn't take running backs in the first round. You shouldn't take tight ends in the first round. And every year, there's some outlier jackass team or teams that breaks the rules. And for me, I think the most surprising thing is, like, everyone seems to have learned and they're sticking to their guns and not reaching. Now, the Patriots might have on that offensive lineman, but everyone else is showing good discipline. They are, but I also think look at the positions that are going. Wide receiver, offensive line, edge rushers. Like, yes, in the second round you got a couple of running backs off the board, but this seems to be at the very top a draft that is really deep at, at some key positions that at some point in their careers, if they're good, are going to get a lot of money. So you might as well see if you can get that now, and I think that's what NFL teams are trying to do. Number four. So a good day for UNLV basketball. They were shooting for some uh, big guys in the transfer portal, and they actually got a guy to come home, stay home. Isaiah Cottrell, 6'9", 6'10", out of Bishop Gorman, left West Virginia, 
went into the portal, took some visits. It looked like it was down to Washington and UNLV, and about two hours ago he tweeted out that he's coming back home. He's committed to UNLV, so now they've pulled another player out of the portal, and they're starting to put together a nice group of big guys. Yeah. And, and for those who don't know, I mean, I was reading up on him a little bit earlier today, uh, drawing comps to um, former UNLV, or excuse me, former Bishop Gorman big as well. Uh, oh, wow, I'm forgetting his first name. Jeter, though. Um, yeah, I, I hope he turns out to be a little better. He he, he turned into a solid, not... a solid player. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, um, Jeter was also a top 15 recruit in that same class as Steven Zimmerman. Right. And – I don't. I just don't think he was healthy much of his career at uh, what Duke to start, and then did he finish at Arizona? Arizona. Yep. Yeah, he finished at Arizona. Um, yeah, I think I think Cottrell is going to be a little more athletic, and now they're going to have. Right now, they've got Vicky Waco at six seven. This is to play the four and five. Um, Cottrell coming back at you know six nine six ten, and David Waco showed a lot the last 10, 12 games. So I still think they need one more big, and they need a little more of an offensive-minded big, so we'll see what they can work on. But this sends a message. It's a, the, the, the other thing here is with Kevin Kruger using the portal so much, there, there should be an opportunity to grab people coming back to the market after they try somewhere else for two or three years. So I, I hope Cottrell works out and sends a message like, hey, the Mountain West is a good conference. UNLV can win at a high level, and going to school here and playing at the program is a good thing. Yeah, I would agree, and I think, too, like you said, you're kind of just seeing this blueprint of what Kruger and UNLV want to do. I mean, you're talking about uber-athletic teams defensively that are going to have a really high ceiling. Now, already some, you know, feel the 68 who covers this college basketball, uh, their, their Mountain West and mid-major writer has already called UNLV one of the best defensive teams in the country coming into next year. So you can tell what they're trying to do, and they seem to, at least on the very surface, be on their way towards succeeding that. Number three. Now here's the crazy side of college basketball. So while I love NIL, you know there's going to be some cases where it's kind of shocking. And Miami, you know, remember, the Miami program, football side, was one of the most aggressive when it came to NIL and a plan, right? Early on, they were like, hey, we got this guy who owns uh, American Top Team. He's a big booster. That's an MMA gym, right? He's gonna he's gonna throw. I think it was like five thousand dollars to promote his gym yeah. for every Miami Hurricane football player. And people are like, "Whoa, whoa!" So they started this kind of this idea of a collective, right? Bunch of boosters with businesses having kids pitch their business. And you'll notice while there are a lot of people laughing, especially Oregon Duck fans, laughing at Miami's chances to get Crystal Ball, they got him, didn't they? Right? Uh, under the radar, Adam Hill and I talked about this last week. The Cavender Twins yep. made probably over a million dollars last year, NIL. As no state, these are two young ladies, female basketball players. Of all places, where do they transfer? Miami. Now, Miami women's program is pretty decent, made the NCAA tournament. The men's basketball program last week got one of the better players in the portal, Nigel Pack from Kansas State, but they did something really weird. Not the program, but the NIL side of it. They promoted the fact that Nigel Pack was getting $800,000 in a two-year NIL deal with a bunch of different sponsors. And you're like, whoa. Was a car not involved as well? Yeah, there was a car yeah. involved. Yeah. Okay. Now, we've talked about this. In football, if Bryce Young, if, if the number in Alabama is publicized and it's $1.2 million and going into the year, you know, um, 
you have another star player on the team. I mean, wouldn't that player be thinking star defensive end, right? Isn't our best defensive player back, right, from mm-hmm. last year, yeah. right? Wouldn't he be thinking, well, wait, I'm not, I'm not the quarterback, but you know what, I, how about I get 750? So down in Miami now, the best returning player went public yesterday, said something to the effect of, hey, I'm not happy that this guy's coming in, getting this big deal. I want more money. His agent did. He, and that's the other one. His agent. Wong's NIL agent, Adam uh, Papas, informed ESPN of the player's intentions Thursday. If Isaiah and his family don't feel that the NIL number meets their expectations, they will be entering the transfer portal tomorrow while maintaining his eligibility in the NBA draft and going through the draft process. Now, it, it sounds disgusting, but Miami opened this Pandora's box yep. by being so ballsy and out front with how they got the transfer from Kansas State. That was horrendous mismanagement, and you you're, you have to expect stuff like this to happen. And, and I kind of thought, and, and we did get an update on this, by the way, about 15 minutes ago, um, and I, there was a fake rep- or a false report out right before we came on the air. Isaiah Wong from 15 minutes ago, Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN, uh, has backtracked. He will not enter the transfer portal. He's going to keep his current NIL deal, and he's going to maintain his status for the draft. You can pull out, I think it's June 13th, somewhere around there and still maintain your eligibility for college basketball. But I, I kind of thought that it was somewhat important for Miami, I guess, to a certain extent to stay their ground and be like, we're not going to – because then then you really – like you've already opened Pandora's box, but then you really sit back and you're like, well, you're just going to renegotiate when a kid decides to, to enter the transfer portal? Every kid's going to do this now. So I, I this isn't the first of many deals like this we're going to see. But to your point, I mean, as this be, continues to grow – Player after player is going to continue to look around and go, "Well, I want mine. What's this? Yeah, none of this should be public. Or if it is, you you know you you do it where it's a bit understated." Top two stories. Number two. All right, biggest. I thought biggest story of the day yesterday was the wide receivers and the veteran wide receivers who moved. AJ Brown goes from the Titans. They're like, "Now nah, we're not paying you. Oh, we can get a first round pick and more picks." Okay, he's moved. Titans move AJ Brown to the Eagles. And now we've got another one of those situations, right? And I think the Jets are kind of setting this up too. We got a young receiver. We don't want to hear any excuses with Jalen Hurts about not having what he needed around him. Same with Tua, right? Yep. So now the Eagles have set it up. Now it's on Hurts, John. It is. It's 100%. And, and, I mean, credit to the Philadelphia Eagles. They're doing everything possible to see that he succeeds. They're building it up around him, and they're going, look, you have every opportunity now, man. Show us that you're show us that you're capable of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. Don't be the guy that last year in six out of seven games couldn't even surpass 200 yards passing. You have the opportunity right now to get this done. And the, I think the sneaky good thing about this for the Philadelphia Eagles is if Jalen Hurts does not pan out, you use him this year, there's two different roads you go down, right? One, you have Gardner Minshew on the roster who has shown some promise. And again, you have a loaded wide receiver core now that you can use to potentially maximize his capability, see what he has. But the other is, you just kind of hit the reset button here on a team that made the playoffs last year, draft a young quarterback, and you've got this team that you're paying all, you know, through the nose at all these other positions, like wide receiver, whatever it is, and you're still going to have a young quarterback on a rookie contract as you move forward. So I, I think it's a really smart idea here for Philly and what they're being able to do, maintaining competitiveness now while trying out the most important position. But Jalen Hurts is the world in front of him now. Top 15 quarterback. Who has the best shot this coming year? Who's the top 15 quarterback? Tua, Hurts, Zach Wilson. <laughs> they got weapons. I will say Hurts. Hurts because he's. I feel like he's got a stronger supporting cast. 
Like in turn, like that running game was really good last year. Sirianni did show an ability to kind of adjust and change his game plan. They were really good on the, like in terms of running the ball and, and setting up Hurts for success. So I will say Hurts. Number one. Big news of the day in Raiderville. Fifth-year options on the 2019 first-round picks. John Abram, Josh Jacobs, and Clee Furl all turned down by the organization. They're not going to lock themselves into a fifth year with any of those guys. We'll break it down on, on the way back here. Crazy Horse 3, got the bottle special, got bucket specials. The draft is on all the screens here. Uh, dozens of uh, women right now in the afternoon. It, it turns into hundreds later in the evening. This is a great place to hang out all weekend long. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at Crazy Horse 3. Ticket windows open again, 364-1100-364-1100. Got two tickets to go see the show, The Cult. It's not the show, it's the band. The Cult is in town May 8th, House of Blues. You can get your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. But Ari's got two tickets for you. Caller 7 right now, 364-1100. So um, Raiders with a little bit of a news dump today, this morning, releasing the news that, hey, fifth-year options, you know, all these first-round picks from 2019 – Got to make your decision, I think, by May 2nd on the fifth-year options. Daniel Jones was a big news yesterday, quarterback with the Giants. No dice for him. Raiders had three first-round picks. It was supposed to be the beginning of a glorious year for John Gruden and Mike Mayock, and then Gruden ruined the whole thing with his stupid emails from years and years before. Well, part of kind of ruining things was just missing on a lot of their first-round picks. Josh Jacobs is a productive running back in the NFL. I just don't know that you want to commit to him for that fifth-year option money. But between Furl at four, who was supposed to go like 15 to 35 in that draft, and then John Abram, who is kind of a limited safety, all three are not getting the fifth-year option paid. And it's, it's you know, I, I'll be nice and say, you know, it's like a, a D-plus grade for those three picks. I mean, you, you got to get one out of the three as like a seven-year player in your organization, don't you? Especially a year like that, right, where you said it was it was three first-round picks. You were going to make up for everything in terms of Mac and all of that. You like you had an opportunity to really get this era going. At least one of them should be a player that you want to enact a fifth-year option. Josh on. Allen, Devin White go right after yep. Cleferl. Yep. Come on. Um, Debo Samuel, Hollywood Brown, some other good players – go after Josh Jacobs and Abram. They're they're misses. And, and there's no other way to describe it. No, there is and and they're they're magnified misses because again, because it's not only it's not only just first round picks and not getting them, but it's using first round picks and reaching on guys that were probably going to be available. Again, going back to value. You're burning the value of the picks and then they're not even panning out, which is even worse. I mean the the not, I don't want to kill Furl because he seems like a real nice kid. But I mean to he not not even usable last year at all. I mean, they just they just stacked defensive linemen on top of him, bringing him into the organization, and they found some good players. That that's that's the one that gets you. And I know a lot of people are like, "Well, they don't need Josh Allen, you know, because they got Max Crosby." How about both right okay. now? How sick? How sick would that be? Or you, you've had trouble developing any linebackers? Devin White on this team, man. So yep. any I'm telling you, anytime you hear 
Mike Mayock talking about, well, you know, basically describing Mark Davis as some irrational owner, like, hey, we did what we were supposed to do. Like, Mike, you missed badly in those drafts, and we found out early this morning uh, that the new guys running the organization are like, no, we just we don't think we want in on any of the three, you know, as a, a fifth or sixth or seventh year guy. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Now back to Cofield and company live at Crazy Horse 3. So we got day two of the NFL draft rocking and rolling. Raiders pick is coming up in just a little bit. Let's talk to the former Raider, Oakland Raider, uh, and uh, NFL vet Stanford Route is in. All right, Stanford, the big news today before we get to any of the uh, draft stuff and looking at Day one is fifth-year options on John Abram, Cleve Furl, and Josh Jacobs, all passed by the Raiders. Are you surprised? Oh, I can't say that I'm totally surprised. Uh, I knew that obviously Farrell, they probably weren't going to pick his up, especially after they went ahead. And uh, you see the emergence of Max Crosby and them signing uh, Chandler Jones over from the Arizona Cardinals. And then Josh Jacobs, you could tell that he's starting to get worn down a little bit. And then also people believe their running backs have a shelf life. And whenever you go in and give that fifth round, I'm um, sorry, the, uh, the fifth year option and then have to sign them to a long-term deal, oftentimes that's when they start to go ahead and fall off the cliff. And then Jonathan Abrams seems like he's never really um you know picked up all the way as far as um as far as uh finding a spot on this team within this defense so like i said when you go and factor all those in i'm not totally surprised that the raiders did not pick up any of their fifth year options yeah i think with cleef Farrell that that that's probably going to be a situation where both sides agree to move on with jacobs and abram who has the best shot of making it to a year five, a year six. You're like, who, who's going to go out this year and prove, you know what, you want to keep me around? Oh, uh, I could very well see. Uh, that, that's a toss-up. Uh, but uh, I think Josh Jacobs, he has another good season. I could see the Raiders bringing him back for a sixth year, or I'm sorry, for a fifth year, maybe on some sort of one-year Three and a half, five million dollar deal, something like that. I'm not sure, but uh, as far as Jonathan Abrams, he could very well find himself uh, back in the black and silver as well. I go back to a certain player that uh, comes to mind. Kyle Fuller was with the Chicago Bears, and I remember that the the Bears did not pick up his fifth year option in that fourth year. He had a very good season, which then made the Bears want to keep him. And then the the uh, the Packers were going to try to sign him to a uh, to a deal, but he was a restricted free agent at the time, I believe, or something like that. And then the Bears wound up giving him a large, exorbitant extension, uh, all because he played very well in that fourth year. But the Bears did not pick up his fifth year option, thus, which is going to make him a free agent. So even when you do not have your fifth year option picked up as a former first round pick, it still does not mean it's just complete doom and gloom it just means that you got to go ahead and ball out this fourth year and then you can be a free agent which means you can have a much larger salary coming up if you do the right thing and teams miss on first round picks all the time but when you have three i, I think you got to at least go one for three with the fifth year option maybe two for three and i know raiders fans want to wash their hands of mayock and especially john gruden i've actually seen people the last couple of days kind of backing up Gruden and Mayock. And I, I'm, I I look at this and I'm like, man, these drafts, and they got some decent value in the mid-rounds. These drafts were, they're potentially devastating to the franchise because looking at the players in that draft, I mean, after Cleve Farrell, Devin White, 
and Josh Allen, the defensive end, went. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like, what does that do to a franchise if you get one of those guys instead of Farrell? After Jacobs and, and Abram, who were kind of in the same area, Hollywood Brown, who was just traded yesterday, uh, he was available. Uh, Debo Samuel was picked in, right in that range right after. I mean, you're talking about there were some good players. You, it's just it's tough, man. It's tough. It you really, know, really is. You know? You know, and it changes it, it changes it, the fortune of the franchise. No doubt about it. I mean, it's a crapshoot. You know what I mean? And that's where a lot of the fans, a lot of the prognosticators always will. They always want to go back and be a, an armchair quarterback or be a Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, well, you know what? Y'all should have drafted this person. But the thing is, in that draft, nobody thought Debo Samuel was going to turn out to be what he's become. And I think a lot of that has to do with Kyle Shanahan, obviously Mike McDaniel being there, coaching him up and with their their exquisite type of brain trust that they have going on out there a lot of it being predicated on that uh, on the stretch run game things like that opening up the pass so i mean i'll I'll, 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 I'll push back a little bit right so on abram i think abram had an interesting look and he was a good prospect a safety maybe not the greatest coverage guy but the league has seemed to basically come up with the standard that running backs aren't first-round picks in Jacobs. I, to me, the Furl thing yeah. is the one that's unforgivable because there were great players available at that spot. And if you remember at the time, most of the league, it seemed like they had Cleve Farrell projected somewhere like 15 to 30, and they grabbed him at number four. So, we, I mean, we don't, have to, we don't have to beat it up. and Because here's the thing. This year's draft, right at the top of the draft, we're going to find out who got it right and who got it wrong within like three years. What did you think at the top of the draft? The Jaguars have their choice of any defensive end they want. They go with the, I think, the upside guy versus the guy who's a little more polished and productive. What do you think of them going with Trayvon Walker over Agent uh, Aiden Hutchinson? I mean, that's just their choice. Uh, they're obviously looking at him being in the SEC and for him to be a player in the SEC. And I think, what, he had seven uh, quarterback pressures in the national championship game alone. So obviously you could see that he's got the ability and they're just hoping that he can go ahead and continue to ascend. And when you look at Georgia's defense, they were stacked last year. They got five guys getting drafted in the first round. And so I won't completely poo-poo Jacksonville for making that pick because in this draft, there were no Joey Bosa's. There were no Nick Bosa's in this draft. There were no Chase Young's in this draft where, okay, I know this guy right here. He's going to go to the Pro Bowl as a rookie. Like, there were none of that. So everything in this draft is a little bit more of a crapshoot. You're not going to necessarily have that top-end talent. So I think it's really just more about, okay, we're going to pick who we think is more comfortable with our franchise. We're going to pick uh, – uh, like who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna gel better with the guys that we got around us and the scheme that we're doing? So I don't think that there was necessarily a dead wrong pick for Jacksonville. That oh they should not have picked that guy. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson had a a much more productive senior year. I think he had what fourteen sacks. That was what a Big Ten record or a Michigan record or something like that. I just forget. So. Because you didn't have the Chase Young or any of the Bosa brothers, or anybody like that in this draft, that's why I don't think you can completely malign Jacksonville for taking Walker over Hutchinson. Can you explain the the big deal over the arm length of guys on the line? Because that was kind of the debate here that Aiden Hutchinson, even though he's six seven, his arms are a little shorter, and and from a measurable standpoint, uh, Walker meets all the standards. Yeah, whenever you're playing defensive end, you're going against right tackles, left tackles. And when you see the guys like Von Miller, when you see those those 
just super athletes that you got coming off of the edge and they're able to go ahead and get around the get around that tackle by just using that simple arm to go ahead and kind of stave them off that's when these NFL scouts that's when these these aficionados go and they look at those things like the tape measure they look at things like the arm length things like that your hand size for Kenny Pickett because when you're starting to get to the point to where you have two guys and they're both good they're both their respective schools which one should we draft that's when you got to get to the point where you're splitting hairs over okay let's go to the measurables who do we think is going to measure up within our conference within our division who do we think is going to be the best fit for our team within our scheme things like that so that's when whenever you have a multitude of players especially two guys at the same position you have to find ways to differentiate them otherwise you're going to be sitting there scratching your head with about three minutes left to go and uh while, while you're on the clock not knowing who you're going to pick and you got probably two or three people within the organization wanting two or three different things so you got to find you got to find a way to go ahead and differentiate who's going to be your guy Stanford Route, former NFL defensive back with the Oakland Raiders. All right. Well, that was a big day. That was a big day for the uh, cornerbacks of the world. What do you think? Uh, Stingley oh, goes back to back with Gardner three and four. Yeah, yeah. I thought uh, I thought uh, Houston got a good pickup with Derek Stingley. I loved his tape back in 2019. Would have been a top five pick, in my opinion, if he would have come out after that national championship season when he was a true freshman and made All-American that year. Obviously, Sauce Gardner, American Athletic Conference out of Cincinnati. I think that he's a fantastic player as well. The Jets got a good player who's going to be great for them for years to come. I love his physicality, and I love his press man coverage. That's what I love. But, uh, but I, th- I think that, yeah, I think those are two fine picks, and I I think that you're going to see the Houston Texans. They're going to be very happy uh, with Derek Stingley for the next several years. When you hear people talk about boomer bust on Stingley, what does that mean? I think a lot of it is because you really haven't seen a whole lot of Derek Stingley. You saw his freshman year when he came in, they won the national championship. He played phenomenal that year. Then you see the second season is kind of eh. And then the third year, 2021, he misses most of the year with what I think a foot injury. So, You've seen highs, you've seen lows. You're not really sure if, like what's in the middle. You're not really sure what his mean average is as far as his playability on the football field. And that's where a lot of people are looking at him like he's either going to hit like uh, like wildfire or it's going to go and he's going to underwhelm a lot like what people are saying with Cleveland Farrell. I think this wide receiver stuff is fascinating. Between so many guys going in the uh, the teens and some big receivers – you know, third, fourth year guys on the move. The, the the league is changing, and then every organization has a different view of what they want out of the receivers and what they want to pay them. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, it definitely has become a very big thing as far as receivers because they're thought of as the second most valuable position on the football field, especially on the offense side of the ball. So, yeah, now everybody needs a receiver that they can go ahead and hang their hat on and can be their lead dog. All right, who'd you like? Of the guys selected, was there anyone that stood out for you? Uh, Because a bunch of them went in a row. We're talking about names like Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, and Traylon Burks all went between 8 and 18. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, I I like a good amount of them. I like Chris Olave. I love what he did at Ohio State. I think he's going to match well with the Michael Thomas down there in the Big Easy in New Orleans. I think Garrett Wilson, I liked him a lot, uh, especially coming out of high school. He went to Lake Travis, which is not far from where I grew up. And then Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Obviously, he's got to go ahead and recover from his ACL, but I really liked his tape a lot from what I saw at Alabama. So those would probably be my three that I'm the most excited to watch. And then also Drake London with Atlanta, being over there with the Marcus Mariota, Pairing up with a uh, 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 tight end, Kyle Pitts, and then uh, Ridley, if he's able to go ahead and come back. 
Your thoughts on the veteran receivers being traded. Uh, first of all, Philly is all in on A.J. Brown. I guess the Titans wanted out, and Philly gave him $25 mil a year. Yeah, uh, like I said, I had no idea that he wanted out. I mean, he was so happy last year when they had Julio Jones. What a difference a year makes. And obviously, now it's getting to the point where these receivers, they see Devontae Adams, they see uh, Tariq Hill as far as what these guys are getting, and that's what they want. So they're going to make sure that they get their money. And if they do not get it from the current team they're on, they're going to make sure that they force their way up out of there and find a team who will give it to them because that is the growing sentiment right now in the NFL is you got to pay those receivers big bucks. Would you be nervous about paying the smaller guys? Like Hollywood Brown is going to get a payday here. I was actually surprised that he fetched a, a number 23 pick in the draft. He had a great year last year. It was a breakout year with 90-plus catches. But would you be a little nervous about big money for the smaller guys? Oh, I mean, I mean, they're receivers, so they're all going to be relatively small somewhat. Uh, so I, I really wouldn't uh, – that wouldn't make me shy away. What would make me shy away is if you see the guy just more so has one really good year and then you pay him. Uh, you want to see a little bit more of a body of work, lengthy amount of production, things like that. But as far as the size, the stature, no, nah, I really wouldn't uh, hold that against Because look at Tariq Hill. He's only, what, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, but Tariq Hill is built like a brick house. Uh, and, you know, you don't see him – in a huge beating where he's missing games because, you know, he doesn't have durability. Stanford Route is with us. Uh, last thing on the receivers, and really it's the relationship with the quarterback. Man, I don't know why. It really annoyed me yesterday, and I, I understand it was a, uh, a genuine, uh, organic reaction, but I just, if you're the CEO of the franchise, Lamar Jackson, I don't think you can be sending out what the blank on Twitter uh, because you're surprised that Hollywood Brown is gone. Do you, do you have his back on that, or does that worry you a little bit? As you know, he's he's on the verge of getting a big deal. It's like, dude, just put down the phone. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, I think for him, I think he's just that, that's how a lot of these younger guys are. Like they just wear their feelings on their sleeve, and they just they they're, they're putting out whatever they feel. Uh, you know, obviously, some people may look at that and think that that's unprofessional, or think he's being a little too too emotional. But you know, I think certain players that's how they're able to play at such a high level where they play with emotion. So they live their lives with emotion. So he's just saying what he feels. And I think for us in the media, that's the one thing that we ask for is players to be authentic. And, you know, that's exactly what he's doing. So, uh, uh, like, time will tell to see exactly how this is all going to play out in Baltimore. Yeah, time will tell. It's going to be a weird deal. Um, I'm sure Lamar Jackson looked at Deshaun Watson's deal with, you know, $250 million guaranteed money. Now we know that Lamar Jackson's worked out his own deals in the past. Knowing what you know, you know, now you're away from the NFL for a while. Uh, you were in the league for a long time. Would you ever rep yourself in a, in a, in a situation like this, a quarterback situation where you could have 150, 200, 250 million dollars on the table? I think that if uh, in a situation like that for Lamar Jackson, he's already got an MVP under his belt, got a playoff victory under his belt. I think that what I do that personally, no, but I think that whenever you're a top player, whenever you're someone who's been to Pro Bowls, has won MVPs, things like that, it's a little bit easier of a negotiation because now we see Deshaun Watson has set the standard. He set the template and it's too million or 230 million or whatever it is and it's fully guaranteed so i mean i i can go in there walking and be your agent and, and and say those words so i think that uh whenever you're a top player the better player you are i think that's the easier it is to actually represent yourself in those negotiations so stanford's in vegas i guess for the weekend right what do you got cooking this weekend in vegas oh man just uh just out enjoying the festivities really and you know doing a little bit of work on the side Nice. All right. <laughs> Keeping it on the lowdown. I, li I like it. <laughs> you know what? If you do go somewhere where you might get in trouble, put down the phone, man.
Just put down the phone. Oh, definitely will do. Everyone around you, everyone put down the phone. Yes. This doesn't all need to be public information. Very much, very true. <laughs> you don't got to tell me twice. There you go. That's a veteran. That's a retired player. He knows. Stanford, thank you. Appreciate it. You guys be good, man. Talk to you soon. The former Oakland Raiders, Stanford Rat, with us here on Cofield and Company as we're live at Crazy Horse 3. Big weekend on the way next weekend at Las Vegas Ballpark. Baseball is going to be hosting Hawaii on a three-game set. It starts Friday with a 6.05 start. Saturday and Sunday afternoon games. You can get a special price if you buy all three games. You can buy tickets at Ticketmaster.com. It's UNLV, number one hitting team in all of college baseball, taking on the Hawaii Warriors at Las Vegas Ballpark. It's next Friday, the 6th through the 8th. Get your tickets right now at Ticketmaster.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Crazy Horse 3 is we're uh, tracking round two of the draft. It's Cofield. It's JVT. You know, it's funny. We saw Ken Walker running back from Michigan State go to Seattle earlier and in the end, you're realizing a dream. You're going to make a lot of money. You're playing in the NFL. It's cool. But you could look at certain teams. Like if you're Kenneth Walker, you're like, man, I'm I'm going to get a lot of carries. I'm going to get a lot of carries. I maybe so run gonna, into the ground. You're going to get tackled a lot. If you're Sky Moore, who I heard so much about this guy, you know, smaller receiver out of the MAC, and you just find out that you're going to the Chiefs and you get to play with Patrick Mahomes and you see what Mahomes and the organization did for another small guy in Tyreek Hill – my God, you have to be pumped. Yep. So that's it seems to be a pretty good a match made in heaven, as they would say. And this goes back to what we were talking about with these wide receivers. The Chiefs were like, nah, we don't, we don't want to pay you. We're fine. Go ahead, leave. Go to the Miami Dolphins. We'll trade you away. We'll get assets. Oh, and we'll replace somebody who's very similar to you in your game in the second round. Uh, offensive players coming off the board now. Trey McBride, the big tight end from Colorado State, just went to – Arizona, so Arizona definitely loading up on more weapons for Kyler Murray. A couple minutes ago, Las Vegas' own uh, Lawrence Guy introduced the Patriots pick. Uh, they got a wide receiver out of Baylor and Tyquan Thornton. Uh, last go. ten picks. First Mount West player off the board? Yep. Still, still, and we're at pick 56, still no second quarterback. And I just saw some Seattle media people are like, what happens if all of these quarterbacks are still available? Didn't I mention this earlier? At 72. Yeah. It'd be pretty interesting. Seahawks may yep. still have their pick of Matt, Matt Corral or Malik Willis. I mean, you know who's at 73? Indianapolis Colts. Yep. New quarterback of the future. And, and like, at that point, that's worth it. Like any of these guys, where yeah. you're like, yeah, let's just try it. Like especially if you're a team like Indianapolis, where we got Matt Ryan, where he's going to be with us for the next two seasons. You would think, go compete for championships now. Develop this guy for two years, and let's see what he's got the third year. That's that'd be pretty intriguing. And now, if that were the case, I would, I would hope for Malik Willis personally as a Colts fan. So, I was going to say it's crazy, but the league is telling you what they think of the quarterbacks. But they, and that's the thing, though. It's like they were telling us all along. Anybody was telling us that was the case. So, you know, you and I were talking about this off the air. When Mel Kiper puts together his best, you know, whatever, his top 
hundred and whatever it is, three hundred, and then eventually it gets the best available, and then it's all quarterbacks yeah. at the top. Like, isn't a isn't a league saying is Kuiper overrating quarterback value? Seems to be. I mean, if <laughs> that's his list right now, it's like Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis. Doesn't look good. I I mean, I mean yeah, he had I Jermaine mean, he had Jermaine Johnson as the top eleven guy, and he slipped all the way to twenty. Let's jump back into the first. But at the same time, you know, like we can kill Kuiper. Like none of us know what's going to happen. Everybody and their mother puts out mock drafts. They put out seven of them. No, nobody knows. Well, Maurice Jones drew in his in his mock draft. You know what he had? He had four quarterbacks in the top ten picks. Oh boy, really? Yes. When? I'll look it up. Wait, I'll this find year? It. Yes, this Wait, year. What? Yes. What? Really? I will say this about the TV coverage. Um, I, I admit, you tell me if I'm wrong in this. I mean, you're probably the wrong guy to ask. But do they need to be a little more hardcore? I thought I thought the ESPN one they're missing McShay. So the McShay Kuiper thing I think is a good combination. I thought Kuiper from home lost a little bit. He couldn't come here. He couldn't I guess work on the road for ESPN without being vaccinated. Um, but I will say Kuiper, especially late in the first round yesterday, John. When it came to offensive linemen, he annihilated some of the offensive linemen who were picked in terms of what they need to get better at. Yeah. He was crushing them, which was really good TV. But then I was like, well, I wonder if McShay would tell him to shut the hell up because, unfortunately, Booger and Lewis Riddick had nothing. Yeah. There were, and there were other times, like, you also, you know, people won't give credit. It was originally Berman for the longest time, then who, Wingo? Yes. Anchoring the draft. It's not easy. At all. I saw one of the guys from Outkick, uh, Paul Kaharski, who works for Clay Travis, um, and he was burying ESPN for not being able to keep up with the trades because they were all on Twitter. This has always been a problem. And to me, if you're getting on ESPN, I don't know that you get on Greenberg as the lead. I think it's the support staff that's got to help him. He, it, it was hard to keep up with what the hell was going on, and the information was out for like five minutes. Well, and I think it's it's not Greenberg. It's ESPN. Like we were talking about this earlier, I don't need the pomp and circumstance and the and all of this ridiculousness. But, you, but, but, but again, you may be the wrong guy to ask. I may be the wrong guy to ask. Right. Who are they programming it for? Well, that's – I don't – I mean, I think that's the case. I mean, the why, why are you watching the draft? What is the base reason why you're watching the draft? You're watching it know, because you want to see who's going to get selected. I think there's a lot you're of not, casual fans. No, if you're a casual fan, you don't care about the draft. The first round? Yeah. Really? I mean, that's what I think. You you want at the very end of it, when I was, I think back to when I was a casual fan. And I would watch the draft. I don't think you were ever a casual fan like I'm describing. And, and I'm I, telling no, you, some of the stuff, some of the notes they have on the, the personal interest stuff, the family stuff, any stories, Nobody whatever. Cares. No, I, I never cared. I swear, I, I never cared. People, people, but there are people who like that. I, I and and to... don't and and they don't know what's going on on Twitter with trades. When you find out about the trade on TV, that's when you find out about it. I and I don't think that's the event's the not programmed. I, I I said it on Twitter yesterday, and I'll say it again. If you are a hardcore football fan, you are better off listening to radio because. It's weird. I don't know why Fox Sports puts – well, there was some bad radio too. But I don't know why bad. Fox Sports puts Jay Glazer on on just radio. He was awesome yesterday. Really? And it wasn't just guessing who was next. It was I talked – you know, it's whatever. It's uh, it, it, Jordan Davis, right? The Eagles make the trade to get the 13. And he's like, you know what? I talked to the Eagles. This, this was the guy they wanted, and you can see them rushing up to get him before he goes. 
and he had a story for every every one of the top, you know, like 13 guys he was nailing. And he's like, I talked to them. You know, I had dinner with so-and-so. You know, this was a need they had. So there are, there, there's great people they could put on this, but I always wonder who they're programming it for. Is it for hardcores or is it for casuals? I just don't think casual fans care about that stuff. I think they want to know what's happening. They want to know who the picks are. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Well, the Golden Knights are kind of closing the season here with a whimper. Out of the playoffs. First time in their five-year existence. 1-1 tie after one. When we come in Monday, is Pete DeBoer the coach? Or do they take care of that business this weekend? Or is Kelly McCrimmon gone? What's going to happen? Uh, we'll go DeBoer gone. I tend to agree with you because... He got so uh, truculent, and it was it was very subtle the way he was doing it, but we all knew what he was doing with Leonard yeah. and kind of taking shots at the organization. Unless there's a lot more we don't know about, you know, GM, GM, and GM, KM. <laughs> right? Maybe there's a whole lot of – there's – it's not a maybe. There's a lot going on here. And by the way, if you cover the Golden Knights and you come out next week and you're like, you know, these things happen. Nothing else to the story. Don't tell me there's nothing else to the story because this Golden Knights team this year, there's a lot to the story. Spend your weekend watching the draft, celebrating Lisa Ann's birthday party at Crazy Horse 3.